country music. I love country music. Country music. Country music. Country. Future country music's looking good. I love it. Country confidential. I loved the way that I grew up. Um, I just felt like it was this really cool all-American experience where it was like, you know, it's it's a it's a small town, but it's not the smallest town around that whole area. Full of small town charm and some big city energy, Oklahoma native Corey Kent is doing country music his way. Loving country music from an early age, Corey blends his plethora of influences to make a unique country sound that is gaining him a massive following. His breakout hit, Wild as Her, is now certified platinum. But that is just the beginning for this Okie. Country Confidential. So talk to me about growing up in Oklahoma. I looked up your hometown. You're kind of in like a funky spot. So was there much going on when you were growing up? Talk to me about growing up in Oklahoma. Oh, man. I just actually somebody asked me this not too long ago. I loved the way that I grew up. Um I just felt like it was this really cool all-American experience where it was like, you know, it's it's a it's a small town, but it's not the smallest town around that whole area. Um, but it's still small enough that everybody knows everybody. Like you walk in, they're like, oh, that's one of those, you know, Smith boys or whatever. You know, it's still that that kind of vibe. Like you can't do anything without somebody knowing what you were up to, you know, but uh, what I loved about it is like, you could, uh, you know, you were 20, 30 minutes away from really anything that you wanted to do, but most people just chose to spend their time in the outdoors. I just, uh, like every, every high school, like wild memory that I have was around a, a little bonfire outside of my buddy Jimmy's place, or we were, you know, Christmas break was duck hunting twice a day on the Arkansas river. And, um, and I say all that to say, so yes, you're fishing with Jimmy. You're outside. You said some yeah. of your favorite high school memories were doing some of that stuff. Yeah. Some of my favorite high school memories. I mean, most of them were, were outdoors, you know, it was bonfires behind our buddy Jimmy's place in the woods. It was, you know, Christmas break. We were hunting twice a day on the Arkansas river. Uh, life moved at, in my opinion, the perfect pace in Bixby, Oklahoma. Like, it was so much slower than the life that I live now, but it wasn't, it wasn't too slow. Like I also have a lot of family that lives in uh, broken boat, like my grandparents, aunts, uncles, my mom was born there. And that's like the Southeast corner of the state, uh, super small population. And that I kind I love, it's my, one of my favorite places on earth, but I kind of go a little stir crazy when I go down there. Cause my, my wheels are so used to turning at a super fast speed that going to Broken Bow is like uh, coming to a screeching halt, right? And it's good for me. I, I do it a couple times a year, just turn everything off. But for Bixby, it's like, it's a nice downshift into just this coast. And you can live in that. It's like living in the current. Like it's a, it's like a river current and it just kind of flows. It's perfect. And that's how I remember my hometown, you know? Um, that's what I think about when I when I think about home is just like this perfect pace of life to grow up in. Uh, and it's just this awesome all-American 90s kid dream. It was awesome. 
I love it. Yeah, you and I are around the same age. So I love that you said 90s kid dream. Like, okay, come uh, home when, you know, when the street lights are on or you know, mom's yelling out, whoever's out here, come and eat. So, but was music easily accessible to you growing up? Was that something that was going on or was that something that you found kind of organically? Um, I would say Tulsa has a really rich music history and that's the the city closest to, you know, my hometown. And um, so I had a lot of opportunities to play when I was younger, but more so than that, there were a couple of people that were coming out of the scene that were really having some cool success. Um, one of the guys that got me into music is a guy named Ben Kilgore. And he was a part of um, a cool band that I just thought hung the moon called the hero factor back in the day. It was the band that I like was trying to sneak into the show, but I was too young and they would kick me out and I'd listen from the outside of the, you know, that was that, uh, that band for me. And then, you know, you go all the way back to um, like JJ Kale and Leon Russell. Those guys all spent a ton of time in Tulsa recording and were from the area. And um, yeah, I mean, and then you fast forward like a couple years ahead of me was a guy named Ben Rector coming out of Tulsa. So like there was a lot of really cool eccentric like a wide variety of of music coming out of there so it was uh maybe more prevalent than like the next smaller scale town you know Tulsa had a great little music scene but it died when I got to high school like by the time I was coming up in the scene there really wasn't a lot of outlet for that like it wasn't as vibrant as it once was um but I did have a lot of opportunities growing up to like get stage time and to uh it it what it did was I started playing Western swing music when I was a kid and that took me all over the country. So while I wasn't necessarily playing like five nights a week in Tulsa uh, while I was growing up, it was more like I was playing and people were starting to take notice and I would get opportunities out of the state. Sorry. Do not worry about it. We, the weirdest thing we had happened, we, who were we interviewing? Oh, we were interviewing Adam Sanders and Dustin Lynch called. So we're like, put them on, put them on. So don't worry about it. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, I mean, basically my music wasn't necessarily keeping me in Tulsa as much as it was like taking what, you know, that Tulsa music history was so rich. There was like Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys, which is a whole Western swing origin. Um, and we got to go play uh, like the Kennedy Center when I was 13. And we got to go all over the country. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, music was was around, but it wasn't like the cool thing to be into. You know, I was still very much trying to like be on the football team and wrestle and do all the normal stuff you do when you're in high school and chase girls and all that stuff but music was an option you know yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of places it might not be such a prevalent option so yeah so I remember you when you were still Corey Kent White back in the uh, day uh on the voice and I remember I told my mom I'm like you will never guess who I'm interviewing today she's like I don't know she like threw out a bunch of names and I'm like Remember Corey Kent? She's like, oh, I'm like Corey Kent White and my mom about like lost or cool. But yeah. you know, I mean, how did that all come to be? I mean, talk to me kind of about that whole process of coming from Oklahoma. You said that like you wanted to do music, but like you still had other goals and aspirations. So when that opportunity came around, was that something that you were like, yes, absolutely. I think that's going to help me get 
to, you know, mean the next place in my life? Or were you a little apprehensive? I literally, the word that I was about to use was apprehensive. Um, I was, uh, the, the first time that I got wind that, you know, I might have an opportunity to be on that show. I was actually, I had a, a band that I put together in college and we were playing pretty often. I was like having to skip class to make the shows and we were playing out, you know, I'm going to school at Oklahoma state and uh, we're playing shows in Athens, Georgia, right? Like, so we're having to leave on a Wednesday night, miss Thursday, Friday of school, go play the show, come back, hopefully be back uh, Monday morning for class, or hopefully you get your schedule set up to where Tuesday was your Monday. Yeah. That was the real dream. Um, so I, we were doing that pretty consistently and we were actually in Georgia uh, playing at some fraternity uh, down in Statesboro and uh, got a email that basically said, Hey, I'm from NBC. I'm a producer. I've been following your stuff online and we think you'd be a great fit for this show. And I mean, you, you got to understand at the time we didn't have like a big following. I mean, we were kind of popular in the college circuit a little bit, um, but not, not to the point that somebody online should have taken notice of us. Uh, and I was like, man, this doesn't even seem real. It doesn't seem legitimate that somebody would know what we're up to. So I kind of responded with like, you know, something to the effect of like, I'm not sure I believe you. And then they sent back their credentials from like the NBC pass that says producer, what they get in the building with. I was like, oh my gosh, this is for real. So what I did was there was a guy named Tim Dubois, who is an Oklahoma State alum. Uh, he started Arista Records. He signed Restless Heart and Brad Paisley. And I mean, he's just a living legend, written number ones. Uh, and then also put together and signed people that had their own number ones on his label. And he was a, a mentor of sorts to me. And so I called Tim and I said, here's this opportunity. What do I do? I'm going to college. I don't really, my heroes didn't do it this way. And I feel like it's, it's like trying to take a shortcut and I don't ever feel right about shortcuts. They've never worked out well for me in life. And he said, man, if your heroes had this opportunity in front of them, they would take it. You got to walk through the door and see where it leads. And I started to think about that. And I was like, you know what? Everything I know about those guys is they did take every opportunity they could to make a name for themselves. And so I just kind of walked through that door, uh, just like, so to speak, and just said, hey, wherever it takes me is where it takes me. And if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it my way. They wanted me to sing a top 40 song. And instead, I sang a Bob Wills song from 1930 and just was like, look, if you're going to send me home, you're going to send me home for what I do. And at the time, that was the song I had played the most out of any song ever. It was a, a song called Milk Cow Blues. And they were like, hey, that's kind of outside of the, the rules, but we'll allow it. Go play your song. And then, you know, what's funny is like the next time they called me back, they were like, hey, will you play that Milk Cow Blues song again? And I was like, you guys, that's so funny. Like, you didn't want me to play it because you never heard of it. And now you want me to play it again. I'm, I'm firmly convinced that like, it made me stand out, you know, just, I had a different background than the next guy and I had a different story. And I think that that is important when it comes to reality television, but it was not my personality. I'm not a big, Hey, flashy, look at me. And, and that's kind of what thrives in that environment. So for me, it was, it was a, a very apprehensive season. I was like, every time I made it to another round, I'm going, all right, God, Whenever you want me to get off this train, 
you just let me know until then let's keep going. And it was a real spiritual growing experience for me. Um, but also musically, you know, boot camp. I got to work with vocal coaches, which I'd never done, and stage performance coaches, and I, I grew a lot. I used a lot of the stuff that I, I learned there. Uh, but it wasn't for my my personality. It was not the most um, – I don't know. It just wasn't, like, tailored to, to who I am. But it was a great learning experience. So I can say you're not horribly disappointed that you didn't win. Oh, I, I guess, can you no. say that now when you left, were, was there a sense of disappointment? I mean, not seeing where you are now. I mean, I wouldn't be disappointed at all that you lost, but when you had no. initially left, were you like, oh shit? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a very competitive person. I can't, I can't help it. I'm just, I, I strive to be the best in everything that I do. And if I can't be the best, then it is, it's a disappointment. I gotta, I gotta cope with that. So yeah, I mean, was I disappointed? Yes, because I wanted to win because I like winning. Yeah. But um, looking back, I mean, I'm also a firm believer that um, there is no such thing as coincidence. Everything unfolds specifically in the way that it does for a purpose. And, you know, looking back, I got out of a contract that wouldn't have been good for it wouldn't have led to where I'm at today. Um and honestly, I didn't when I, I mean, I was 19 when I was on that show. I didn't know who I was as a man at 19, uh, much less a musician. So I look at it as like it gave me a ton of experience. It gave me a peek behind the curtain of show business on that scale. And then I got to go back to the drawing board and really figure out what I wanted my sound to be. And what did I love? What because I saw, you know, Blake Shelton and Adam Levine and those guys are those guys are singing the same songs every night for 20 years, right? So you better really like the lane that you pick and the music that you put out because you could be playing it for 20 years. So I got the luxury of slowing down and really honing my craft and figuring out the exact lane that I felt was most natural. And we kind of landed in this like rock and roll country thing. And we, we've been doing it for years and years and years. And now it just happens to kind of be the thing that's cool. And so when it, when it became cool, it's like we were one of the first in line that had that sound and we were already great at it. And it wasn't us trying to be anything that we aren't. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of how all that unfolded, but it's been a, it's been a heck of a ride this year. I love it. So, I mean, obviously I knew who you were on the voice. Our whole household was team Corey Kent white. And then I'm scrolling <laughs> my phone. You know what I mean? Oh God, it's probably been a year and a half, almost two years ago in your song wild is her. And there's some like girl, like shaking her butt to this song. And I'm like, I really like this song. Who is this? And lo and behold, it's you. So wow. I was kind of taken aback that, wow, here he is once again. And it was like a complete 180 to what we had seen on the voice. So talk to me about wild is her. Are you as surprised as I, well, I guess I'm not surprised, but I mean, I just took a peek before I hopped on on Spotify alone. It's almost at 70 million streams. Oh man. I mean, surprised is an understatement. I, I guess I, I guess I'm surprised because you can't predict how it unfolds, but I'm not surprised because I really in a, I would just say like in a non-arrogant way, but a confident way, I truly believe that true artists find their way 
And I've felt for a long time that I was a real true artist. I had something to say that was different than the next guy. I viewed the world and could put that into words and it sounded unique. Um, and I knew, I well, I say that I didn't know. I believed that eventually, you know, I just keep knocking on that door and eventually that door was going to fall over. And um, I had no idea what song it would be that would make the door fall over. So I just kept song after song after song we released shoot uh a song every eight six to eight weeks for two years and um and that was a huge part of our success and we're still we're learning that our fans love consistency so we just keep releasing as much music as we can um and yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, but at the same time I was surprised because you it's unpredictable. It takes a little bit of luck. It does. But a lot of it is just being really consistent and, and knowing and believing that you're going to get your shot if you consistently refine what you do and you strive to be the best. I love that. So talking about being the best and maybe being in the place where when we recognize people in country music who are the best, where were you and how did you react to finding out that you were going to play at the Opry, but not actually at the Opry. You got to do the Opry at the Ryman. I mean, for me, that is like a bonus. Oh, no doubt. Well, when, oddly enough, uh, I'm, in, I'm in South Dakota right now. Um, when, when we, I flew from South Dakota to make that show at the Opry, um, at the Ryman. And uh, I remember when we got the opportunity they said, and my manager was like, hey, you're going to be in Deadwood, South Dakota the night before. That means you're going to have to drive from Deadwood over to Sioux Falls, catch a flight. You're going to get, you're going to have no sleep. You're going to get there. It's going to be rock and roll from the moment you hit the pavement. Um, and I just remember going, okay, either I can put this opportunity off and prioritize some sleep, or I can put some sleep off and prioritize making my grand old Opry debut at the Ryman it was it was no no question I mean to me like you said it's a bonus um the Ryman's the mother church I when I think of you know Opry debuts and Johnny Cash and legends I think of the Opry I mean I think of the Ryman and uh to get to debut there was just just a magic moment now I didn't get to do the thing that um the iconic step into the circle because they took that original flooring and moved it over to the new Opry. So I still haven't gotten to experience that moment, but to me, it's like two debuts now, right? Like when I go back and I play the Opry, when it moves back, I get to step into that circle. Now I have two debuts. It's going to be another just unforgettable moment. And the lineup, let me tell you about the lineup. It was Vince Hill. It was Charlie Warsham. It was Mark Wills. It was Sawyer Brown. It was like, I know all of these guys, right? Vince is an Oklahoma boy. Charlie plays on all my new records. Uh, Sawyer Brown was like one of the first country acts I ever saw when I was like eight. Um, Mark Wills and I, we, we were the backing band for him a couple years ago uh, at, at this Folds of Honor event. It was just so cool how it, it perfectly wove together all of these people that had crossed my life at one point or another. So it just made for a really special um, Opry debut and, one that I feel like I'm still processing, you know, that's such a, that's such a cool moment. And um, I really do. I, I was, I was really thankful that I felt like when I stepped onto that stage that I had earned it 
that was the that was the coolest feeling it's like okay we got a a gold record that's about to go platinum we've got like one of the biggest songs of the year i've been touring my face off it would be different if somebody was pulling a favor to have me there but they called us because we strive to be excellent in what we do and somebody there took notice and they were like let's have this guy on and it that to me was the most humbling part about it is feeling like all of these greats have stood right here because they earned it. And now the same people that decided that they earned it decided that you earned it. That was, uh, I mean, I get, I get emotional thinking about it. You, you work your, your whole, I mean, what seems like, I mean, I've been playing Western swing music since I was 11 and I'm 28 now, you know, 17 years of spinning your wheels and hoping that you get somewhere and for it to finally be recognized by something as great as the Grand Ole Opry it was just a magic, magical moment. Um, Vince Gill, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> like, it really yeah. doesn't get much better than this. What else do you want at your Opry debut than like one of the goats, you know, just oh my got to watch, stand side stage and watch him and Charlie. And oh, yeah. um, I mean, it, it was just yeah. such a cool moment. I yeah. love it. I think one of my favorite things about you is the transparency of your songwriting. Um, you. you make it so easy for somebody to really step into that narrative. And the landscapes that you paint are always just so awesome. And so that's why I was super excited that you put out these work tapes. So chat with me about um, the decision to do that. I think that is something that is so unique. And I it, it just makes sense now talking with you that you're like, I wanted to do it. I want to let my fans into my my day-to-day. -day. So talk to me about those work tapes. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, we signed a record deal with a major label and they, in my in my mind, they signed into a contract to enter business with us. We don't work for them. They don't work for us. We work together, but who drives the ship is me and my immediate team. And the reason that that is, is because we are specialists in knowing our fans. And if you're not a specialist in knowing your fan, you're probably doing something wrong. And over the years, I feel like we've really gotten to know our fans and what they want. And we teased a few of these songs and... The, the whole point was to go, hey, what what do our fans really enjoy out of these 10, 12 songs? Because um, it might help us decide what we're going to put on the next record. And so the response was so, it, it surpassed everything that we expected. And when that happened, kind of faced with a decision of like, okay, clearly these people are connecting with these songs m way more than we anticipated. We just thought we'd get a couple like, Hey, these are really good. Keep up the good work. I like this one. But it was like, there were a handful of these songs that just everybody was talking about. And so faced with the choice of, you know, I could either go to the studio and we could spend the next four or five months tweaking and perfecting. And I got to come off the road and, and figure out a time that we can record these. And there's a lot of logistics. And then we got to have our new label you know, sign off on them and make sure that the music is, you know, everybody's voting it a thumbs up or I could just give the songs to the fans right now. And to me, it was just like a moment of, Hey, not everything has to be perfect and polished. People just want like a, a story that they can relate to and they want it delivered in a way that they believe. 
And I felt like <clears throat> a handful of those were already there, right? Like they just, they felt believable uh, and people were digging how they sounded. And so it's a wide variety of like, some of them are really produced and some of them are really stripped down. But the whole point was we had to serve the fans that got us here. Like I'm not super concerned with building new fans all the time. Now our live show does that. And I think over the next 20 years, that's the goal. But right now, right here, it's like, you gotta, you gotta uh, dance with the girl that you brought to the dance, right? Like that, you gotta make sure that people understand uh, how appreciated they are. And for me, the way that I was going to do that was just, here's some new music. It's not overthought. You get it right now. Cause we know you want it right now. And it kind of, uh, you know, it kind of took on a life of its own. And I think it's really cool not to overthink everything. Um, I have a bad habit of doing that. So this is also a good test for me to just be like, you know what, let's just put it out and see, see how they like it. You know, clearly uh, it went over well. Yeah, we really liked it. So to wrap things up, I know you're have a busy show tonight. I know you are also a very proud dad and a big family guy. How does it feel to be able to share your passion and <clears throat> just all of this with your, with your littles? Oh man. You know, I, I feel like I've been kind of like a nomad my whole life of just like music has taken me all over the world. And um, at 17, I said peace out to my family and I moved to Nashville and slept in my truck and slept on friends' couches and just to make ends meet. And, you know, then I met Dana and uh, instead of trying to change that, she was like, I'll do that with you. And it was a really cool moment where it was like, I'm, I'm just gaining like a partner in life to do what I'm already moving towards. And so she started traveling with me and then we had our first baby. And in the first, um, in the first 18 months of our little girl's life, she'd been to 20 States with us and it just kept going. And so now I have this whole little crew that I get to like bring into this this life that where it's it's crazy and it's not conventional and it's not routine but um it's it's fulfilling like it's full it's vibrant and i think the coolest part about having kids and doing this and and really seeing the success that we've seen in the last couple of years is i can confidently look my kids in the eyes when they are trying to decide if they're going to go for something that doesn't make any sense like a big dream i can confidently say like if i can do it you can do it you know, go for it. Life is too short to do something that you don't want to do. Figure out what it is. And against all odds, like if it's 0.01% of people that are successful in whatever you want to do, there's still 0.01% that did it. So why not you and, and not have it come from a place of hypocrisy, right? Like I, we, my mom or my wife and I, we, we put this on the line, we put our dreams on the line and we went and we, we didn't give up until we got there. And so that's the coolest part. Um, but man, being a dad's the, the best job. Like it gives all of this purpose, you know, it's like playing these shows and putting out this music and making sure that I act in a way that's like respected by my kids when they grow up and they're my age and they look back on the life that I've lived and they're not like, Hey, dad was a real jackass. Or, you know, I, I want them to say, Hey, he loved our mom. Well, he traveled a lot, but he was intentional with his time at home. There's just, 
it's a, it's such a unique challenge, but it's, it makes all of this worth it. I love it. Well, thank you so much. We are so excited to see you at Stagecoach. So right we're super on. excited for that set. Hopefully we'll get to uh, shout at you and say, hey, but thank you yeah, so much. This was so much fun getting to chat with you and I'm sure you'll tear it up in South Dakota. I mean, how cool. <laughs> right on. Yeah. South Dakota tonight, uh, North Dakota tomorrow. And and yeah, we've got a, a big tour announcing soon. So be on the lookout for that, but super stoked. Great. I'm Chicago based. So hopefully Chicago is on there. I'm pretty sure it is. Okay, great. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much and we'll chat soon. Right on. We'll see you at stage. Awesome. Coach. Thanks, Corey. Bye-bye. My name is Bobby Dixon, and I am the founder of Backstage Bobby, a country music news outlet that highlights Chicago's country music scene. Follow me on Instagram at Backstage Bobby, and be sure to subscribe to the Country Confidential podcast to hear more insider info directly from all of your favorite country music artists. Country Confidential. The All Country News Country Confidential podcast is produced by me, Ashley Kim. I also executive produce alongside my team at Horseshoe Media. You can submit your artist, organization, or event to us at allcountrynews.com for a chance to be featured. If you love this episode, please rate and review our podcast wherever you're listening. And a huge shout out to our friends from Restless Road who recorded our amazing theme music for this podcast. All Country News. For more, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok and YouTube at All Country News. Visit us at allcountrynews.com to join our birthday club and subscribe to our weekly industry newsletter. Check out a new episode of Country Confidential every month right here. All Country News.